Welcome back to the Fun of the Run podcast. I am so, so honored that you're back to listen to me talk about my insane love of running. And I am just, I feel so special that you keep coming back week after week to let me talk about how much I love it. It's it's just an honor. And, you know, if there's something I say along the way that helps somebody, that's even better. I'm Michelle. Most of you also know me as Waddell Running Lady on Instagram. I share at least a post and a reel every day on there uh, talking about maybe something just as simple as keep going, don't give up. I share my daily workouts, which typically is a running day. I run five days a week right now. So check me out on Instagram if you're not already. You can always direct message me there at Waddell Running Lady. I also have a, an email address dedicated specifically for this podcast. That is funoftherunpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you think about today's episode, so go ahead and reach out. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. This is episode 12, and it's called Fear of Failure, and it's the story of my very first ultra marathon. So... Failure is defined as lack of success, the inability to meet an expectation. And I will just tell you right up front here, right off the bat, I have a fear of failure. (laughs) I definitely have a fear of failure. And I'm sharing the story of my first ultra with you because I feel like that's really part part of my story as far as The reason I ran that race was because of a fear of failure, and and we'll get into that. I'm afraid of failing um, as a runner, so I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of not making the cutoff for Mesquite Canyon. There's very different terrain between those two trails. I'm sorry, between those two courses. And the cutoff for Mesquite Canyon 50K was 10 hours. The cutoff for Coldwater Rumble 52K, so two more K, was 32 hours. And, you know, that's 22 hours more for running two extra K. So something completely, just two completely different courses, two completely different races. Part of the reason that the cutoff for Mesquite Canyon was so short was there's some pretty dangerous and sketchy sections of trail. And, you know, the race director does not want people up on part of the course that where there's these steep drop-offs and, you know, you can't rescue people. You know what I'm saying? So he didn't want people up there after dark. The cold water rumble course we, as the 52 Kers, got the same amount of time as the 100 milers got to finish. So that course was, you know, it was open all day, all night, and into the next day. And I chose to run my first ultra at Coldwater because I knew I couldn't fail. You know, I knew that, I mean, if I had to, I could cover one mile every hour. And 32 hours, 32 miles. You know, a 52K is about 32 miles. So I figured worse comes to worse. You know, I mean, I don't know how I would walk a 60-minute mile. But you know what I'm saying. There was plenty of time. And so I just knew 
that there was no way I could fail at my first ultra if I ran it at cold water rumble. I'm kind of in a situation right now, and I just kind of wanted to talk about it with you all today. And honestly, I would love to hear your feedback. So feel free to hit me up on Instagram, direct message, Waddell Running Lady, or feel free to email the podcast and let me know. So I'll tell you all about what I'm dealing with right now. I want to run a 50-mile race to celebrate my 50th birthday, which is July of 2024. Is 50 miles a lot? It is. But I just ran 32 miles a couple of months ago. So my heart is saying, well, why can't I run 18 more miles? As long as I have the time, why can't I do that? You know, why can't I? But... There are a lot of people that don't understand that mentality. And and when I brought this up, I I don't want to be too specific because I don't want to call anybody out. But when I brought this up to a trusted individual in my life that is integral to my training, um, the response when I said I would like to run 50 miles for my 50th birthday or somewhere, you know, in 2024, the response was, well, I, I hope that you realize that 50 miles is intense. And so my response was, so what you're saying is, is you don't think I can do it. And that, that's what, that's what I took from the conversation was, well, well, you, you need to realize that that's going to be intense. And I'm saying, and I'm thinking, okay, so you're telling me you don't think I can do it. And their response was, no, but that's not what I said. I I do think you have the mental fortitude and, and the ability. So basically don't take what I said the wrong way, but I think I did take it the wrong way. (laughs) Let's just be honest. And so now I'm kind of thinking, well, where do I go from here? You know, am I asking too much of myself? You know, I, I just spent last week watching all of the posts from the Cocodona 250 50 miles is not intense compared to 250 miles, you know, everything's relative. And so I'm not asking to run the Cocodona 250. I know I'm not ready for that yet, but why can't I do a 50 miler? And, and why is that asking too much of myself? You know what I'm saying? So as with anything else in life, there's a learning curve and this may seem like a tangent, but this month, so it's May, this month, five years ago is when I started training for my very first 5k. And that is crazy to think about that I've been running for five whole years. How amazing is that? It's I'm so excited. I just want to cry. But the amount of things that I've learned in this past five years, I feel like some of that I couldn't have learned except, but until you walk down that path that you need to go down, you're not going to necessarily learn what you need to learn. I can tell you all day that you need to be mentally tough, but until you find yourself in a situation that requires mental toughness, it's not going to do you any good for me to just keep telling you that, you know, be mentally tough, be mentally tough. You have to experience some hard things yourself that require you to just keep pushing when you want to quit and push through maybe some pain or some discomfort or, you know, some obstacles that 
you know, you have to find a creative way to overcome. That's how you get mentally tough, not just by listening to somebody tell you to be mentally tough. And so I'm finding myself right now in a quandary because I don't know how to go forward and I don't know how to plan the rest of my year. I want to run a 50K in November. I want to run past Mountain. The cutoff for that race is 15 hours. It took me 13 hours to run Coldwater Rumble 52K. So, but it's different terrain and I have no idea if I can do it in 15 hours or not. So here's what I'm thinking. And this is where I kind of want your input. What is the worst that can happen if I go for something that I'm not sure I can do? So that's where the fear of failure comes in. Part of me is sign up. You know, if I want to try the cold water rumble 52 miler in January of 2024, Maybe I should just sign up for the cold water rumble 52 miler and attempt it because wouldn't I still be a winner if I went out there and tried my very best and tried to get those 52 miles in before the cutoff, even if I fail to do it, wouldn't I still be a winner because I tried? Do you see what I'm saying? Wouldn't I still be a winner because I went out there and gave it everything I had, even if it wasn't quite good enough? I have been looking at several races. Another race that I've been looking at is, is the Black Canyon 60K. That's happening in February of 2024. I realize there's lots of planning that would have to take place. There's training involved and I'd have to move things around. If I'm doing Black Canyon 60K in February, I'm probably not going to do Cold Water Rumble 52 miler in January. So I have to pick and choose. But the Black Canyon 50, 60K the cutoff is 12 hours. So that makes me nervous because it took me 13 hours to run eight less K. Thinking about that, I also know that it took me 13 hours because I took my time because I knew I had 32 hours. So I hope all of this is making sense. I'm afraid of failing if I sign up for the Black Canyon 60K because I only have 12 hours to finish. I heard the first half of the course is runnable and decent, but that the second half is another story altogether. But I am tempted to just sign up, start training, and see what happens. But my fear of failure is telling me, no, don't do it. Go with the safe option. Why not just run another 52K in January? You'll have 32 hours. You've already done it in 13. You know you'll finish it. Maybe your goal this year should just be to try to run it in less than 13 hours. Go with the safe option. See, do you see what I'm saying? So there's this, on one hand, there's this fear of failing. On this other hand, there's like, but I want to, I want to do more. Like I want to run farther. I want to see if I can be better. But then there's that fear of failure and, and wanting to just go with the safe options. And the safe thing to do would be, well, I've done this before. I know I can do it. I know I have plenty of time. You see, see where I'm going with this? That's, my fear of failure talking to me and just, you know, causing me to want to just make sure I don't do anything uncomfortable almost, you know, just 
it, it's so frustrating. And I'm also thinking, you know, do I need to find a coach that specializes in ultra marathoning? I love my coach, but he doesn't specialize in trail running or ultra running. And I sometimes I wonder, does he understand where I'm going with this? Does he understand I want to run really far, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe I'm ignorant, but I don't see why I can't. I don't see why I can't do it. Even though I'm slow, I'm a big girl. I'm not, you know, some pro athlete, but why can't I run farther than I ever have before? So I'm just, I'm in this, like I said, I'm kind of in a pickle and I'm, I'm just trying to figure my life out right now. And it's making me super antsy because I don't have the rest of my year planned out because I don't know how to do it until I figure out what my big goal is. If I'm going to go for that 52 miler in January, that's going to affect what I do the rest of this year. If I put the 50 miler off till maybe next summer, you know, that opens things up a little bit. So that's where I'm at. Let's go ahead and talk about my first ultra marathon out at Coldwater. Now, Coldwater Rumble happens mid-January out at Estrella Mountain Regional Park in Goodyear, Arizona. The distance choices were four miles, 20K, 20 miles, 52K, 52 miles, and 100 miles. This course consisted of two loops. There was one 20-mile loop and one 20K loop. So I ran the 52K, which meant I ran the 20-mile loop once, and I ran the 20K loop once. My friend Chris Morrison ran his first 52-miler out there. He ran that 20K loop twice, and then he, I'm sorry, he did not. He ran the 20-mile loop twice, and then he ran the 20K loop once, and that equaled out to 52 miles. The 100-mile runners ran the 20-mile loop five times. Can you imagine that? I think that would be awesome. But that's what this course is about. It's, this is a very rocky course. It's a very technical course. It was, it was amazing. It was just an amazing experience. And I, when I signed up for this course and when I talked to people about it, I heard only good things. And so I was just encouraged to go ahead and register for this race. Now, I will, in full disclosure, I will tell you that I was signed up originally to run the 20K on this course because my plan was to run Mesquite Canyon 50K in March. So I was going to run, you know, a 20K trail race first, and then a couple months later, run my first 50K in March out at Mesquite Canyon at the White Tanks. Well, when I started running trails very seriously last fall, I quickly realized that I was not fast on the trails. I didn't expect to be fast on the trails because I'm not fast on the roads, but I quickly learned that my pace on the trail was just, it may not be good enough to get me where I needed to be for Mesquite Canyon 50K. So again, 50K is about 31 miles and I had a 10 hour cutoff for that race. I was still signed up for it. I was still training for it, 
But as the months went by and I started um, just realizing how, how really slow I was, I started getting really scared. And that fear of failure that I talked about earlier really started creeping in. And I really started questioning myself and just thinking, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I don't think, I think for sure I can cover the miles. I know for sure that I can run 31 miles. That never, that really never entered my mind, like thinking I couldn't run that far. But what, what constantly entered my mind was, I don't think I can run that far in 10 hours, especially knowing the climbs that were part of that course, goat camp, mesquite climb. Um, they're very difficult climbs that were right in that, in that 50 K course. And I thought there's no way, especially once I started training on those climbs and seeing how long it took me, I knew I would be pulled from the course. And so I fell back on the quote unquote safe option and contacted Era Viper running and asked if I could switch my registration for cold water to 52K from the 20K. They were very gracious and worked with me. I paid the extra fee and signed up for the 52K. Instead, I emailed my coach several times back and forth. We discussed it. And at first he said, well, you know, because I think I, I think I sprung this on him in December and I wanted to run this 52K in the middle of January. And he said, Michelle, that's really soon. That's like a month away. And I said, I know, but, you know, and just explained it all to him. I said, I know, but I have 32 hours. Think about it. 32 hours to run 52K. That's like such a long, such a generous cutoff. And so when he heard that, he said, okay, if that's what you want to do, okay, I, I agree with you. I know you can do it. Okay, you know, go for it. So I did. I signed up for that. And just the way I looked at it was obviously it was the safe option. And I knew that by, by signing up for that 52K and knowing I had 32 hours to complete it, it kind of took off some of the stress I was feeling, but I also thought, okay, well, for 2023, my main goal was I want to become an ultra marathoner this year. And if I run this safe option, I will absolutely become an ultra marathoner. If I wait for Mesquite Canyon in March, there's a very high probability that I won't reach my goal. I won't become an ultra marathoner that day because I'm most likely going to get pulled from the course. And so why not take the safe option? And since that's my main goal for the year, you know, let's, let's do this. And so I didn't really question it that much afterwards. I just was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is my goal. I'm going to become an ultra marathoner. And, and so that's kind of the back and forth about why I signed up for this race and why I ended up running cold water. All right, so here's the lowdown on, on what happened that day. It was actually a very super, super positive experience. I The race started at 6.30 in the morning. This Australia Mountain Regional Park is only maybe 15 minutes at the most away from my house, so I didn't have to get up at, you know, the crack of dawn or anything. Drove over there. I got there early. I was starting to warm up and, and do everything I needed to do. And as I'm doing some leg swings and I've got my, my pack on and 
you know, I probably got 30 minutes or so before the start. I was um, approached by Jason Hefner and I've talked about him before and he is a very talented ultra runner and, you know, he's a young guy in his twenties and just super fit. And he came up to me and said, Hey, you're Michelle, right? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and so we talked a little bit and he and his friend, I can't remember right now who his friend was, but Jason was also running the 52K like I was. And of course it wasn't his first, he's done many, but he told me that I was going to love the course and told me a little bit about it, that it was rocky and this and that, and just, you know, encouraged me about how well I was going to do. And And I believe he said he follows me on Instagram or something. And it was just, it was cool to meet him. And it was super fun to, to talk to him before the race started. And, and just the fact that he came over and, and introduced himself was super cool because I'm just some fat middle-aged lady getting ready to run her first ultra. And yet he was so encouraging and he wasn't like looking down on me or anything. And Jason ended up running that course. I want to say in like four hours and 34 minutes. And that's the same course that took me 13 hours. So he's very speedy, but that gave me like some courage and just some, a little boost that I needed before the race started. I also, if I remember correctly, saw Chris Morrison before the race started too. And I had never met him in person, but we had, you know, interacted on Instagram and I was able to, um, wish him well for his first 52 miler that he was running that day. And, um, we were like, okay, well, we'll see each other out on the course and kind of thing. And, and that was fun. And then my friend Holly ended up getting there in time to see me off. And, you know, we both had tears in our eyes and, and she was telling me how I was going to do this and, and, you know, how excited she was for me. And just, we got a selfie together and, And, you know, she was just encouraging me and she told me that she would be there when I finished and, you know, that she was going to do her best to encourage me along the way and, and text me or whatever. And I knew she had my back, you know, and so that was also, it was amazing. She was there when we started and I knew that she would be out on the course running her, I believe 20 K is what she ran that day. And so I knew she was out, going to be out there running soon. And, and then I was off. So for this particular course, you start on pavement for maybe a quarter mile at the most. And then you turn immediately to start climbing the mountain. And to me, at least this climb was very steep from the get go. And so when I saw that, when we turned off the pavement and we started going up this climb, I immediately thought, oh no what did I get myself into? I, I don't know what, what, I don't know if I can do this. I I didn't realize that it was going to be this steep and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And right about that moment, as that was going through my head, I heard somebody from behind me yell and they said, Waddell. And I knew they meant me. And so I turned around and it was another awesome Instagram follower that I had never met in person, but her name was Kim. And she came and gave me this huge hug and just basically said what a rock star I am and how proud she was and how I was going to do amazing and, and, and sent me on my way with some woohoos and all this. And I thought, 
okay, you know, she's counting on me. And I have so many friends on Instagram and just things like that, that they're all counting on me. I told them I was going to do this. I need to do this. Like, come on, Michelle, it's time to get your head in the game. And so I just started climbing and I needed that push from her. You know, I didn't tell her I was feeling discouraged. I didn't tell her I was thinking I couldn't do this. I just said, okay, you know, and thanked her and, and hugged her back and then took off. And it was very difficult. <laughs> Those first few, maybe few miles you climb and the climbs are not just easy little climbs. They were where I was power hiking up. There were some people trying to run up, but I was, I didn't even attempt to run up at this point because it was just, it was too steep for me. And so I just, I power hiked those uphills. And then when it would get flatter, I would run. And of course, when, you know, there were downhills, I would run as well. Immediately from the get-go, I realized, okay, (laughs) this is going to be harder than I thought it would be. This is not going to be a walk in the park. And 52K or 32 miles, it's pretty long way. It's a pretty long way to go. In my last episode, I talked about how I typically fuel for long runs, and I I did that for this race. I had every 35 minutes, I would take either a gel or a glucose, you know, liquid energy or an applesauce pouch. Um, I will tell you that my pack was so full. I had, I was wearing the orange mud endurance pack and I had every pocket. I mean, I had, I had an extra shirt rolled up and put in there. I had fueling for about seven hours. Um, I think because that's pretty much all I could fit. I had, um, uh, my bladder in, you know, full of noon and water. I had a soft flask in one of the pockets. I don't think I had a flask in both pockets, but I might have, I can't remember right now. I had a buff in case I needed, you know, my neck got cold or whatever. I had, what did I have? I had my phone. I had all kinds of things in here and I was wearing a visor. I had, I opted to leave my sunglasses in the car because it was an overcast day or it was supposed to be. And I just had some of everything in this pack. And so it was, it was a pretty heavy pack and I would just, I knew in my head, hike the uphills, run the flats and the downhills. So that's what I was doing. Well, it was apparent pretty quick that I was last. I was, even though I, you guys, I was doing the best I could. I, I wasn't just having a stroll in the park. I'm just slow. I, I don't know what else to say, but it seemed like there was nobody else out there. It, it turns out I was not last, but I thought I was. So pretty soon I ended up having somebody come up behind me and I was kind of surprised because like I said, I thought I was out there by myself, but, um, there is a woman on Instagram, true TRU coach Lisa, and she ended up coming up behind me and she ended up being the last starter of the 52 K and she quickly passed me, but she came up and she talked to me for a little bit and just, you know, you're going to do fine. And this is a great course for a first timer and, and encouraged me along the way and then left me in the dust, which was totally fine. As the race went on, like I said, 52 K is a really long way. So there was a lot of time where I didn't see anybody and the terrain changed and there were some uphills 
and a lot of downhills. There was a lot of flat, flat-ish. Um, but I'll be honest, sometimes when I would get to that flat, I just didn't feel like I could run. And it was like my legs just didn't want to move. I started, ended up coming upon other people and I would, you know, I would pass a few people or, you know, some people would come up behind me as the shorter distances took off after us. Some of those shorter distances would pass me like the 20 milers, I think would start passing me at some point. I don't remember where in the race, but I ended up um, seeing an older gentleman in his sixties and he slowed down so that because he was, I guess he was going faster than me too, but he started walking and we started having a conversation and he was telling me how many ultras he had run. And it was, it was so many and that it was my first. And, you know, we were talking about it and how many marathons I had run and how many he had run and, and, and just chit chatted for a while. And then he's like, okay, well, it was good talking to you. I'm, I'm on my way. And he would, he would take off. And um, this happened multiple times where somebody would stop and talk and then, you know, they would continue on and, and I would just kind of be out there doing my own thing. I would run when I could and I would walk when I needed to. And I did that the whole entire 32 miles. This race started at 630 in the morning. I didn't finish until 850 PM. So whatever that is, it took me over 13 hours to finish this race. Now I knew I had 32 hours. And so I absolutely could have pushed more. And that's what kind of bothers me about this when I'm talking about the fear of failure. What time could I have had if I would have pushed more? You know what I'm saying? If if I didn't know that I had 32 hours, I I know I could have finished this race sooner. But I knew I had 32 hours. I knew I didn't have to book it the whole time and that I would still finish. You know what I'm saying? And so in a way that kind of bothers me because because what if? You know, what if, what if I would have just really pushed now, do not get me wrong. I don't care what pace you're going. 32 miles is a very long way and it is hard on your body and it was hard on my body, but it was amazing. It was exciting. It was thrilling. It was absolutely awesome. And I, I promise you, I cannot wait to do another ultra. I I cannot wait until registration opens for Pass Mountain in November. I want to sign up so bad and know that it's officially on the books, but it hasn't opened yet. Okay, back to cold water. I was fueling every 35 minutes. Now, ultra marathons have, they have these really cool aid stations typically, and, and you don't just get water and electrolytes at these a lot of times there's grilled cheese, there's pizza, um, there's turkey roll-ups, there's watermelon, um, pickles, boiled potatoes, bean and cheese burritos, all just all different kinds of food. And when I passed the aid station the first time, I want to say it was about nine miles in, I I think I might have taken a half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I just like shoved it in the pocket because I, I didn't want it really. But I thought, you know, these aid stations were pretty far apart and maybe I'll want it before I hit another another aid station. So I took it and I just kind of shoved it in a in a pocket and kept going. Well, that was just nine miles in. So once I got more like nine hours in, I got to the, and it's getting dark. I got to the point where my my body was starting to um, rebel against goose applesauce and, and stuff like that. And, and so I started, you know, eating half the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I tried a turkey roll up and it did not agree with me. 
Um, I think I might have even tried a bean burrito. I can't remember. But I just got to the point where I just didn't want food. I had been out there so long that my body was like, just don't make me eat one more thing, which is counterintuitive because I couldn't finish unless I had calories. You know, you need to replenish those glycogen stores. Um, And so I would just, I would lose track of time. I tried to listen to something on my, I had my aftershocks and I had a podcast loaded. I had um, audiobooks loaded, but I ended up spending most of the time just listening to the sound of my own feet on the trail. Um, there got, there got a point to be a point later in the race, um, when it was dark, where I started passing a lot of the people running the longer distances, the hundred mile people, the 50 mile people, 52 mile people, I'm sorry. Um, because it, because it was loops. So even though I was on the tail end of my loop, they were starting the loop again. And so they would pass me heading the opposite direction. And, and so then I had, I had that to look forward to. So I saw Chris Morrison again. I saw, I ended up seeing Andrew Glaze, which was really cool. So let me just throw this out there. Um, so I saw Chris the first time, I think I was 16 miles in and he was maybe 25 miles in at the time. He was about to a marathon distance and we passed each other going the opposite direction. And he's like, you doing all right? And I'm like, I'm doing fine. And, and I was doing great, but it was just cool to get to see somebody that I knew, you know? And then there was another point where I was, I had fallen and it wasn't a bad fall and I didn't get, you know, injured or anything, but I, I think I had, it brought tears to my eyes and it just discouraged me. I was several hours in at this point and I, took a tumble. There was a, there was a really short, steep downhill and then it went right back uphill, you know? So just a real, like a dip almost in the terrain. And so I went down and I think that's when I fell. And so I got back up, I jumped up immediately, got back up, but I had tears in my eyes. And I remember thinking, Michelle, you're not cut out for this. Like this isn't for you you know, you thought you could do it. You're, you're not an ultra runner, you know, you're not cut out for this. Well, right. As I'm thinking this, I hit flat ground again and here comes Harley. Let's see. Harley Ray guy is his Instagram handle. And by the way, Harley is awesome. He just ran his first ever Cocodona this past week, 250 miles. Shout out to Harley Ray guy. So awesome. I'm so proud of him. But anyhow, he stopped in his tracks. Harley did. He was running his, uh, he was running a hundred mile race. Okay. He stopped in his tracks and said, I-, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm really seeing you in person. I follow you on Instagram. You are amazing. You are so inspiring. I show your post to all of the kids that I coach because if you can do it, they can do it too. And he just started like spewing all of this like encouragement and, and just awesomeness. And in here, just three seconds before I was telling myself what a loser I was and that I couldn't do this. And yet, and then here's Harley that stops and just tells me how I'm amazing. And (sighs) sorry. And what he did for me that day, I won't ever forget because I just got this huge smile on my face and I said, thank you so much. And, and 
you know, good luck on your race. And he wished me good luck on mine. And, and we just parted ways and he kept running and I kept walking. I think at that moment I was walking and it was like, okay, never mind. I can, I can do this. I can do this again. Harley says I can, and, and his kids think I can. And, and all those kids he coaches, I can't let them down. He's going to want to show them the post that says, look, Waddell running lady finished her first ultra. What's your, you know, what's your excuse? And so it gave me what I needed to keep pushing, even though I was, I was getting discouraged at this point. I, I knew I, I still, now looking back, I know I didn't finish last. There were several people. I think there were only five people behind me, but I couldn't see those people at this point. I, I didn't see them. And so I thought I was last. I didn't know there was anybody behind me. And so I'm not that that matters in that sense. Somebody has to be last. Anytime there's a race, only one person can be first, you know, and somebody has to be last. And if that's me, oh, well, you know, but I thought at this time that I was, and I was discouraged because I didn't see anybody running the distance I was running. And, you know, and I just felt like I was so discouraged and, and, you know, and yet it didn't last long because there was Harley and he said what I needed that picked me up and kept me going. And not too long after that, I saw Andrew Glaze he was also running the hundred miles. And I think I shouted out to him first, Andrew, go Andrew, or something like that. Cause to me, he's like a celebrity, you know? And he just, I think he said something like, keep trucking, you know, every mile gets you closer to the finish line. And it's like, he talked to me, oh, you know, and it was awesome. And, and that gave me a boost to keep going. And, and I just kept doing what I could, you know? And like I said, when you're several hours into an ultra like that, at least me, that many hours, I had never gone that far before. Um, I had run several marathons, so I don't want to say I'd never gone the distance before. Um, at this point, I had gone that far, but I hadn't been that long on my feet. Okay. And so this was all new territory for me as trying to, as far as trying to keep food down and, and make sure I was staying hydrated and, and, you know, are there J. Johns anywhere around? And, and just various things that, that you don't really think about until you're in the situation. And so I did what I could. I, I ate when I could. And it finally got to the point where for the first many, many hours of the race, I was tracking my, my fueling on my watch and every 35 minutes. But then it's almost like I zoned out, you know, after nine, 10 hours. And I forgot like, oh no, I don't know when I ate last. I don't remember and I think it's been two hours. Oh no. And then I would, yeah, I had shoved pretzels from the last aid station in my pack and I would pull them out and I would try to eat a pretzel and I could maybe get one or two, you know, maybe I could get one or two pretzels down. And then I would wait a little bit longer and I would try to take one or two more pretzels. And I just did what I could, you know, kept hydrated, kept sipping and just kept one foot in front of the other. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other over and over again. Well, pretty soon it's blackout and it's, it's actual nighttime. I had a waist light and which by the way is called a 180 O N E and the number 80. And so many of the people uh, out running, they were running towards me because they were running the longer distances. So 52 miles or hundred miles. Where'd you get that light? That's awesome. I've never seen anything like that, you know? And so I would tell them, the name of it and 
and you know because they all just had headlamps but once it got really dark out i couldn't really see who was coming but one time um it was chris again chris morrison and he's like hey you're almost there or you know it was just it was cool to see him again i finally saw the finish line okay and i saw this finish line and i could hear like the music at the finish line but it was off to my right let's put it this way i didn't see the finish line but i think i heard the finish line um at one point so i'm running you kind of make it like i said it's a loop so you get through you go back the finish line is where the starting line was so I couldn't see anything at first. Well, as I kept going, I finally did see like the big light or a big tent or something. But the more I ran, I I didn't seem like I was getting any closer to the finish line. And I kept going up and down these dips and hills and just up and down, up and down and around. And, and I would see the light and then the trail would take me the opposite direction. And the last mile or mile and a half of that course it felt like five. I mean, it was just like, I am never going to get to the finish line ever. I'm not going to get there. And it just seemed like it just, it's pitch black out and, and you just, you know, you're just keeping your, your eyes on the ground so you don't trip and die and break your leg. And, and it may sound awful, but it was actually super exhilarating and fun, except I got to the point where I said, if there's one more switchback, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to go crazy. Like I want to see the finish line. (laughs) So before I tell you about what happened at the finish line, I left out a very significant part of this race. So after I finished the 20 mile loop, when you finish the 20 mile loop of cold water, you end up back at the starting line and there's an aid station there. There's chairs. You can sit down if you need to change your shoes or pick up your drop bag or whatever you can. Well, my friend Holly met me as I was finishing the 20 mile loop. So she ran with me into the starting line area and I had an issue with one of my shoes or something and I had to fix it. So I I sat down and did that. She got me some watermelon from the aid station and um, I ate that. I think some M&Ms or something. And we talked real fast so I could get back out quickly but um, and run the last loop, which was 20K. But all through the race especially once Holly finished hers, she was texting me and saying, Hey, what do you want at the finish line? Do you want an iced coffee? Do you want it from Starbucks? Do you want it from Dutch bros? You know, what do you want? And, and she's like, you know, where are you at? Or I can see you're at this mile or whatever. And, and she would just, you know, the, the service, the cell service wasn't always super great, but when I could get her messages, I would reply well, I'm doing this or I'm okay, or everything's going great, you know, and, but it's probably going to be this many more hours because this is my pace. And, and so she would message me and say, you're doing great. You're doing awesome. You know, you're going to actually do this today. And Holly was just a huge help on top of interacting with Kim and Chris Morrison and um, Andrew Glaze and Harley and, and all the different people on the course that day, Holly's text messages really helped me too. And just knowing that she was going to be there at the finish line with an iced coffee for me, (laughs) you know, was amazing. And, you know, she had to go home and shower after her race and come back and it was dark and you know what I'm saying and and spend time away from her family. And it just, it made me feel kind of bad that she was waiting on me, but also like, Hey, you know, I've got somebody waiting for me. I need to do this. And so it was, it was also an awesome motivator, but um, that helped a ton. So 
I get to where I told you I can see the finish line, but the course keeps, you know, turning me in all these different directions and switchbacks. Well, Holly texts me and she says, I think I see you. I, I see your light coming down the mountain. And I said, yeah, I said, it's me because guess what? I'm the only one out here right now. You know, <laughs> I was the only one. Everybody else was, you know, somewhere else, not where I was for sure. And I'm like, it's me. I'm the only one out here. So she's like, I see you. And, and which was fun. Cause it's like, okay, I'm all alone in the dark up here on the mountain. And she sees me. That's cool. And so I finally, finally, finally came down off the mountain. And just like when we started the race, um, then you come down that insane climb and you hit the pavement and then you have to turn to go to the finisher shoot. Well, when I turn into the finisher shoot, there's just tents lining both sides and of the finisher shoot. These tents were for people running like the hundred mile races. So like their crews and their pacers and, and, you know, families, whatever they could be there to help their, their runners. And so those tents are lining this finish shoot. So I'm, I'm running down the finisher shoot and right before maybe 10, 15 feet before the finish line, there's a lady off to my side and she yells, wow, you're gutsy. And it just struck me so funny. And I think I said, thank you. And then I thought to myself, I am gutsy. I did this. Look at me. You know, I actually did this. And then I crossed the finish line, put my hands in the air. And, you know, it, and the rest is history. And Holly was there with my iced mocha. And I got my finisher glass. And I poured the iced mocha right into it and started sipping it. Got pictures and selfies and you know it was it was absolutely amazing chris morrison had finished his 52 miles before i finished my 52k so if that tells you anything about how slow i am so we were able to get a picture together and you know both just having finished he was able to see me cross the finish line of my first ultra and even though i'm telling you all of this that it was the safe option i don't have any regrets that I did the cold water 52 K as my first ultra. I don't because it was such a, an eye opening experience. And it was such a, it really showed me what ultra runners are about. It showed me what ultra racing is about. It showed me the hearts of those people and they welcomed me with open arms. I didn't get one negative snarky comment out there or anybody elbowing me out of the way or I got nothing but encouragement. And it wasn't just from the people I already mentioned. It was from everybody. Whether I so many people you could tell who was running what by the color of their bibs. So many hundred mile runners, they would run they would run by me and say, Good job, you got this. You don't normally get that in in road racing, you know but I got, it. I got it the whole time almost. And it, well, except like I said, I was alone most of the time, but when I wasn't alone, I got the encouragement so much and it made such an impression on me that I can't wait for my next one. And I just keep wanting to come back for more and more. The point of me saying all of this is I wanted to share that race recap with you. I feel like I didn't do it justice because it's been a couple months ago and I know I'm forgetting important things. But that was my safe option. And again, I don't regret doing it. But I do wonder what would have happened if I would have just went ahead and run Mesquite Canyon. Would I have made it with the 10-hour cutoff? I don't know. 
But part of me thinks that now that I've run my first ultra and even though every course is different and the cutoff times are different and the terrain is different and the technicality of the course is different, what would be so wrong with me signing up for that goal race and, and just putting myself out there, obviously training to the best of my ability, not just willy nilly going out there, obviously getting in the best shape I can and strength training and cross training and, and putting the miles in that I need to put in, staying healthy, all of that. What would be so bad if I go out there and I do it and I do have to DNF? There was a couple of months ago that Andrew Glaze had a post and it was all about the DNFs that he's had. And I, I was shocked. Andrew Glaze runs 160 miles a week, I think. He is an extremely talented runner again. And yet he has had so many DNFs. He showed his ultra sign up profile. He scrolled through, he had to scroll through the DNFs. Um, one of them he had busted and he tried to run with a busted knee. I think one time he fell in a hole on the course. One time um, his electrolytes were off and he couldn't finish. I don't remember all of the different reasons, but he has a whole list of DNFs. And I thought that man is a winner. I mean, that man if Andrew Glaze has DNFs, <laughs> who am I to think, you know, that it would look bad if I had one, you know what I'm saying? And so I say all of this to tell you that I think there is a healthy fear of failure that is good for us to have. But I also, and I think there are times where it's appropriate to choose the safe option. And I would even venture to say that it was appropriate for me to choose the safe option at cold water and run that as my first ultra instead of, of Mesquite Canyon. I, I'll, I'll give you that. I really do think that the safe option was best in that circumstance. But now from where I'm standing today, I think I want to just go out there and, and get it. I think I just want to go out there and set a big goal and go after it. I'll be 49 in a couple of weeks. You know, life is short. What if I fail? What if I fail? I, I could, I very well could, but what if I don't? <laughs> you know, I wrote a list here of pros and cons, okay? If I go after this big goal, what's the worst that can happen? Here, here are the cons. I would pay for a race that I would not get an award for because I would DNF. I would pay for a race that I, obviously you could say, well, you wasted your money because you didn't finish the race. And I would get a DNF on my record. But listen to these pros. The pros of doing the hard things and the out there goal, the big scary goal, it would, even if I did fail and I didn't complete the race and I got pulled from the course, I would be out there doing what I love to do. I would be out there enjoying nature. I would be out there with these awesome runner friends that are so encouraging. I would be out there learning and growing and gaining experience. How, how do those pros not outweigh those couple of cons I just mentioned? How? I, when you look at it that way, the pros far outweigh the cons. So... Now I have to decide what I want to do. Do I want to sign up for that 50 miler 
52 miler in January. Or you know what I think I might want to do? My birthday is in July of 2024. That's my 50th birthday. Um, This year I'll turn 49. But I was thinking I could try to find some kind of destination ultra for summer of 2024 and make it make it a vacation, make it a runcation with my husband and and my kids and 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 run this 50 mile race, you know, in celebration of my 50th birthday. And if I fail, I fail. But what if I don't? So that's what I'm kind of thinking. I still don't have answers. I still don't know if I should try the Black Canyon 60K with a 12-hour cutoff. It intrigues me. Let me know what you think. Message me on Instagram. Send me an email to Fun of the Run Podcast. Should I should I sign up for the Black Canyon 60K? What do you think? I'm also thinking of I have free entry for life to Mesa Marathon. I thought I could also run Mesa Marathon, you know, in February. Um 26.2 miles. That's also an option. It's a road option, but it's it's free entry for life. So why not take advantage of that and use that marathon as training for maybe the Mesquite Canyon 50K in March or some other, you know, ultra later in the year. I don't know. The options are endless and I'm open to your thoughts. Okay. So that's my story. Don't be afraid to fail, even though I was afraid to fail and I chose the safe option. It's okay to do that sometimes, but don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to have big, scary goals. Don't be afraid because what if you fail, but what if you don't? What if you don't? I hope something I said was helpful in some way to somebody. If not, I hope you just enjoyed hearing my experiences and my story. This has been the Fun of the Run podcast, episode 12, talking about the fear of failure. Thank you, everybody, for coming back week after week and listening to me tell my experiences. Love you, every single one of you. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope that you will join me next time for Fun of the Run podcast. I'm adding this after the fact to episode 12, talking about the fear of failure. I feel like I did not accurately describe the cold water rumble 52K course. I didn't talk a whole lot about the course itself, and I thought it's important to throw that in here real quick. So I just wanted to tell you that the Estrella Mountains, where this course takes, this race takes place, they are absolutely gorgeous. And this course is absolutely gorgeous. I told you I started at 6.30 in the morning, so it's beautiful sunshine, a beautiful time of year to run. And this day started out chilly. It was overcast all day long, and I never really got hot. And it was just absolutely, honestly, I couldn't have asked for better weather. But the courts itself, there are about, there's about two miles of sand during the 52K. There was absolutely lots of desert, you know, cacti, um, scrub brush, dirt trails. Very, this course is very, very rocky and very technical. So there were sections of this course where I felt like I had to watch my feet so much. But guess what? That's part of trail running. You have to watch where you're going and be scanning ahead so that you know. Um, But this course is a very good course for a first-time ultra runner because the cutoff is so generous. It's 32 hours. Also, 
just the way the course is put together is I think ideal for a first time ultra marathoner as well. It gives you a lot of variations, a lot of ups and downs, some steep stuff, a lot of flat and it's beautiful and I can't recommend it enough and I want to do it again. 